0: Hey everybody! Welcome to "You Are Born for This" podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary we or a couple of missionaries at Acts Twenty Nine. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, it's nice to be out of a suitcase.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll say, Father John, and uh, you know, one of my favorite movies uh, growing up, uh, coming from Kansas, was The Wizard of Oz. And I find myself every time I, every time the plane lands. I say in my heart there's no place like home. There's no. no place like home. But it's still glorious to be out on the road. And- oh,
0: amen. We've been uh, we've been gone for the better part of 2 months and uh, we're home now for a couple of weeks. Just a huge thank you to all of you who've been covering us in prayer. We've been with four different presbyteral retreats, uh, so four different dioceses and a couple of 100 guys and we're just seeing by the fruit of your prayer uh, our brothers get poured into. Uh, spend time with each other, waste time with the Lord in prayer, a uh, chance for us to share with them what the Lord's shared with us. And guys are getting renewed. It's just extraordinary. So we're thankful for everybody praying for us.
1: Yeah, father, it is glorious. And, and also, too, Elise, I think you, you would agree, we have had an opportunity to sit and speak with and pray with some beautiful bishops. Yeah, amen. That is that that is such an encouragement uh, to meet and to spend time with their spiritual father. Um, It's all just such great work. So thanks to you, our dear friends, um, who pray for priests and bishops and who pray for our team as we're on the
0: road. So we have a pretty simply focused podcast episode this week. What is our title? So our topic for today is what do kings do? Which might not seem like it makes much sense if you've read the readings uh, in advance, but we'll try to figure out why it is that we think it does. So let's pray first in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious Father, we just thank you again right now for the chance to reflect on your word, which nourishes us and gives us life, which corrects our ways of thinking, gives us strength. We just ask that you would continue to enlighten us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we might continue to grow in conformity to your son Jesus and most especially to see what he sees as he sees it and to act accordingly. We pray that you continue to give us a heart ever more conformed to his, we ask all this in his most mighty name. Amen.
1: Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, like you, Father John, I'm so excited to dive into today's scriptures, but you have some exciting news to share with our friends.
0: Yeah, I do. You know, um... For those of you who follow the Rescue Project, you'll know that it's been dubbed into Spanish, which has been a great gift. Not only are the resources translated, but they're dubbed. I sound fantastic in Spanish. (laughs) Uh, I speak like a couple of words in Spanish. That's about it. But we found somebody to dub it, which was great. And we just received a matching gift to enable us to translate the Rescue Project into two other languages. So the matching gift is basically going to cover one translation um, a translation costs about $55,000 to dub and to translate everything into another language. And our desire is to get the rescue project into as many languages as possible so as to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. So, because of the matching gift, we have waiting there uh, a $55,000 gift, which will be matched if we can get another $55,000 in um, people's generosity. So I'm reminded as we start and just talk about this, uh, a dear friend of mine uh, who's been a a real gracious supporter of ours, she said, you know, you have to tell people that you need help. I wouldn't know you need help if you didn't ask. And so uh, we're saying to people, we need help. This is how we uh, were enabled to do everything that we do for free is by people's generosity. So as you're thinking about Christmas and how you might want to help support those places which are making a difference in the world. We would just ask you to prayerfully consider whether or not the Lord's inviting you to help us and especially to partner with us in uh, making the gospel as available as possible to others. And you can you can give to Acts 29 by just going to the website, right? Yeah,
1: so just go to a, um, Acts 29, dot org, and then click in the right-hand corner on the Give button. And you can give right there, or if you happen to be a friend of ours outside the U.S., there's an email address there that you can email someone on our on our team and they'll help set up gift giving. And, you know, Father John, I'm even thinking too, you know, just having been with so many priests over the last month, the number of um, uh, priests who are from Vietnam mm. and India and various Philippines African and countries. various African countries. And we have these communities here in the U.S. and we want to make sure that, that they can experience the gospel, the power of the gospel, as well as those who are living outside the country as well. So please pray and pray about giving and just know how very grateful we all are.
0: Amen. That said, okay. let's dive into the word of God. Right. So, this, Take us away. so
1: this reading comes from Exodus chapter 22, verses 20 through 26. So thus says the Lord, you shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If ever you wrong them or they cry and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will flare up and I will kill you with the sword. Then your own wives will be widows and your children orphans. If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him by demanding interest from him if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge you shall return it to him before sunset for his cloak of his body is the only covering he has for his body what else has he to sleep in and if he cries out to me i will hear him for i am compassionate
0: yeah so you know i'm immediately reminded of a uh, I was living in Washington, D.C. in the late 90s, and this was the first reading. So here's this is uh, the month of October, which is Respect Life uh, Month in the church. And I'll never forget, it was a group of people who were coming to, um, to raise money on behalf of pro-life agencies, and this was the reading. If ever you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will flare up, and I will kill you with the sword. Then your own wives will be widows and your children orphans. And I remember living at the time, or at the time I was living in D.C., I think for every one child born in the District of Columbia, there were two abortions. And just being so sobered by this. like These are serious words from God about how we treat one another and about the, the accord um, and the respect we need to have for human dignity.
1: Amen. Amen. Father John, I'm thinking too about, um, you were just talking about life and I remember uh, I think it was on one of mother Teresa's visits to the U S correct me if I got this wrong. But of course uh, abortion is like one of the, one of many scourges on this country and she said, if you don't want that child, I will take that child. Yeah. I mean, she had a heart. She would, she would talk about how she, would, how she had met Jesus in his distressing disguise mm-hmm. in her work. And she had a heart for the unborn, and she had a heart for everyone that God placed before her. And this is what this is really about. She is a, she is a model, a saint, and intercessor for us as we, as we press into what God is speaking to us here through
0: this reading, yeah, you mentioned Mother Teresa. When I was living in D.C., uh, I remember another uh, mm. event where I, I was sitting in on a homily where a, a priest I was living with at the time—he's passed away now—but he gave this fantastic homily on Mother Teresa, talking about how Mother Teresa believed in what he called two real presences. This is just coming to mind as we're in this time mm. of Eucharistic revival. Obviously, the first real presence is the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament—body, blood, soul, and divinity. But the other real presence is Jesus in one another and her adoration and time in front of Jesus in the blessed sacrament was what enabled her to see him in those in, you know, their distressing disguise in the poor and those who were downtrodden and you know, thought to be nothing by um, those who consider themselves something in this mm. world. Mm. She's, uh, she'll be a, a mighty intercessor for us as we, we speak right now. Um, let's just ask her prayers that we might be able to communicate in a way that will make sense to people and inspire us to act as she did in our own daily lives. So let's try to break open this title, um, What Do Kings Do? Why, why is this the, the topic that we're entitling this episode? You know, we we talk about in the Rescue Project that we have missions, the mission of the disciple. And a lot of people don't understand what the mission is. And we we talk about six missions in particular. But then we, we also, I don't think this is in the videos, but it is in the guides. We've added two missions, which every single one of us have as disciples of Jesus. And one of those missions is to fill up in our own flesh what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ, because it's not a question of if I'm going to suffer, it's just a question of when and how. And so when I suffer, I can either waste that, that's what I usually do, or we can unite it to his cross for others. How that works is a mystery, but Paul talks about that in Colossians one twenty-four. The other mission that we're all called to, which flows right out of our baptism is we're all called to be an agonizing prayer on behalf of the world, and that's because we're all made priests by baptism. So baptism makes us to be priest, prophet, and king. And I think most people have heard that. I don't think most people know what that means, quite frankly. And one of the things that we often break open is what priests have. And I'm not talking about the ordained. I'm talking about all of us by baptism. Priests have access to God, which I think, again, most of us either don't really understand or it just flies over our head. Nobody in the Old Testament had access to God. Nobody. One guy. One guy. Once a year with a rope around his waist in case he died so they could pull him out. Nobody had access to God. But baptism makes us now priests and priests. Abbot Jeremy Driscoll, a good friend of ours, talks about how it's the priest's work to bring another before God in prayer. And again, he's talking about the baptized priesthood there. This is why all of us right now need to be doing all we can to exercise this mission, to be praying on behalf of the people of Gaza, the people of Israel, the people of Ukraine, whatever the situations are, to come into God's presence as his beloved sons and daughters on behalf of others, not to complain about them, uh, but to but to really be hurting on their behalf and to bring them there, right? It's one of the
1: greatest gifts you can give someone else is prayer,
0: yeah, right? Yeah, amen. So baptism makes us to be priest, prophet, king. So we've talked a, a fair number of times in the recent episodes about, the prophetic dimension this reading it seems to me anyway really speaks about kings so again baptism makes us to be maybe more precisely not kings but sharers in Jesus's kingship right
1: right and so there's there's three main tasks then right
0: of a king and right, which I don't think most people get because I think we, you know, we're Americans and we don't like kings. First of all, and in in our mind, I think we think of kings as being waited on by servants.
1: Right, right. Well, there's two of these tasks that are mentioned here in 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 the reading of Exodus, and it's to look after widows mm-hmm. and orphans and then to take care of the poor. That's right. But the third, which isn't mentioned here is is to lead the army in battle.
0: Right. So just pause right there real quick. So that's what a real king, at least a biblical king, does. A king in scripture, again, unlike the way we think of kings as being you know, separated from the people, um, being removed from everybody, being waited on hand and foot, a real king does these three things that you've just mentioned. They lead the army in battle. They don't send the army into battle. They lead the army in battle. They take care of widows and orphans. And and they look after the poor. So let's make the connection of this reading to each of us. If we're kings or if we're made sharers in Jesus's kingship, then the word of God this week is reminding us our eyes should be especially wide open to those who are most in need all around us right now. And as it's getting colder, this shouldn't require a lot of thought or reflection, should it?
1: No, you know we don't have to look very much farther than our own backyard, um, especially um, in in urban areas where we see brothers and sisters in need, right, standing on the street corner with signs. I, I, there's a there is a, a warming center that uh, we have a heart for in the heart of Detroit that's always uh, looking for support to bring people off the streets to supply them with clean clothes, showers. Um, equip them uh, to do a whole set of things, but they're always all around us. And, and, and I, have to, I have to just share a personal uh, insight into this as I was praying with this. Uh, as some of you might know, like, like my husband and I just moved from our house um, that we were in for like 30 plus years. And um, there were a lot of things in boxes that we hadn't looked at for a long, long time. We had a lot of clothes in those closets too that we hadn't worn in a long, long time. And as we were going through all of our boxes and we're still amidst boxes opening, I was so keenly aware of, I have in my possession, we have in our possession, that which rightfully belongs to somebody else. Right. Like I need to go through those boxes and set aside, this is going to those in need, right? This is going somewhere else. But, but I'm aware that we have been given so much and, um, and I've been holding on to that.
0: I'm, I'm thinking of you and I were in a, a meeting one time with a, a dear brother of ours. He was part of the leadership team where we were at the time, and he was talking about a similar thing. He had just moved, and he, was, he had likewise found an awful lot of clothes that he had forgotten that he had, and he was pulling them all out of boxes or bags or whatever they were, and he said to himself, wow, I need more hangers, <laughs> and then he realized no, that's the wrong response. I have too many clothes. That's the right response. And he just started to give away the clothes. You know, we, we, I know there's a number of us that were, you know, in the kind of, we, we run together in the same field where we regularly, somebody encouraged us to get into the habit of purging clothes twice a year which is, you know, for those of you who maybe have never considered doing it, a great habit to get into. And especially right now in, you know, those parts of the country, the world where it's getting cold, you know, you can, you can, how do you do this? You go through your closet and you look at things you haven't worn in In six months, you know, and if I haven't worn it in six months, the response shouldn't be, Oh good. I forgot. I had that. The response should probably be, "Mm, I probably don't need that. And then to just bag up some clothes and take it down to, you know, to the Goodwill Center or, right. you know, one of those warming centers that like that you mentioned or someplace, you know, a parish where they're doing a clothes drives, St. Vincent de Paul, whatever it might be. Because how many clothes do we really need?
1: And I love the whole mindset. If we approach it just from not, you know, you, you don't want to do, you know, we don't want to do this just to make more room in our closets. We need to really have God's heart. Mm as we do this, it's just like I'm making more room for more clothes. I'm really handing over. I'm really giving to my brothers and sisters in their distressing disguise, what they most need, what I have really belongs, really belongs to them anyway. And I think that's what it means to, to bring the aroma of Christ to our brothers and sisters. And mm. like I said, just not, you don't have to look very much farther than our own neighborhood to see that there's folks in need.
0: Yeah. And you know, increasingly so as we keep you know, moving along in this time of Eucharistic revival in the church, I I keep reflecting on the question, there's got to be more to the revival than just increasing the belief in the real presence of Jesus. I mean, if that's all that happens, is more people believe that Jesus is truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity, and it remains either an intellectual exercise or just a private devotion then it's not bearing the fruit that the church is asking for it to bear. Those things are important, to be sure. But what really wants to, what God, I think, really wants to have happen is that we become more and more aware that as we feed on him, we're supposed to become like him, which to this reading means what? It means we become more like the one who, though he was rich, as St. Paul says, became poor For our sakes, and I don't know about you, but this is one of those things that I just experienced the Lord nagging me more and more on in my own life. And I mean, you know what I make. If you know a priest, you know what a priest makes, and we make pretty much nothing. And yet I have tons of stuff. I have tons of stuff. I have so much more than I need. And I continually hear the Lord just gently agitate me. Mm to be ever more generous and to be ever more like him. And I'm more and more convicted just on um, all the things that we're talking about right now. So I pray in a, in a gentle way that those of you who are listening will be likewise convicted because we just don't need all that we think we need. And meanwhile, our brothers and sisters um, who simply because of circumstances don't have what we have are crying out for help and the Lord says he's compassionate and he wants me to have that same compassion with those who are in need
1: that's so beautiful father John I have so many so many thoughts you know I'm thinking too you know um as you're talking that the, just the word simplify comes to my mind just to just to embrace simplicity there's a pastor out in the Northwest who uh, went through a, a season in his life where he just simplified everything. And I think he gave away almost all of his clothes, except for like a couple pair of jeans and four t-shirts. And I'm thinking about what does that give us? It gives us freedom. Mm-hmm. We we were talking over the, I think it was last week, maybe in the podcast too, around idols. And you mentioned stuff. I have so much stuff. Our stuff can become an idol too. And we get free from those things We're more free for the mission to serve the widows, to serve the orphans, to serve the poor. And to your point, right, it's the Eucharist that transforms our minds and our hearts to have his heart, to see as he sees. And then there's this power of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, None of this happens without the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, which is generosity, generosity. And that's what flows from a magnanimous heart. It's only possible, but I, I, um, it's only possible by the Holy Spirit that we can become a generous mm-hmm. people. Not so, not so inward focused, but outward focused. And um, I'm thinking about, um, I think it was St. John Paul II, he talks about the law of the gift. That man can't fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. So to find out who we are, just to be so self-aware to know who we are and who God is, and one receives life precisely when one offers their whole life and our stuff mm. and our heart um, as a gift.
0: Yeah. yeah. Here, here's So maybe here's the practical takeaway. Um, just encourage people, go back and reread this passage. Exodus 22, verses 20 to 26 and maybe start stop at just the end of uh, the section where it says, "And your children will be orphans." So I don't. Most of us are not in the money lending business, although some of us are. Just linger with, "You shall not molest or oppress an alien, and you shall not wrong a widow or an orphan." And just ask the Lord, Lord, in your kindness, show me right now where are you asking me to be generous, mm-hmm. to whom. You know, maybe it's a person, maybe it's an organization, maybe it's a cause. Again, this is the time of year where many of us are starting to think about the holidays and gift giving and those kinds of things. And, you know, like most of us don't need more gifts, but people are really in need, whether it's the situations in various places in the world where, you know, our financial support or our material support and clothing or whatnot could make a real difference between somebody surviving or not just to ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want to convict me? Not condemn me, but convict me so that I can use whatever it is that you've given to me, whether it's a lot or, you know, not as much in comparison to somebody else in such a way as to practically make a difference in somebody else's life. And maybe that's what we do with this word this week, which is a tough word, which is supposed to be tough. Like God's word is supposed to Make us feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, afflict the comfortable right. and comfort the afflicted. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Let's let's just thank the Lord right now for the gift of his word, for the way in which God's continually trying to conform us to himself. He's trying to help us to grow in freedom. He's trying to help us to grow in detachment from the things which, which actually oftentimes enslave us when in fact they're just given to us by him so as to be a means by which we can participate in his own life. We can be generous with others. We can uh, partake in that royal dignity that is ours because of our baptism and exercise the kingship that's ours because of what happened to us in uh, in that baptismal font. Because all these things are true because you and I have been reborn in baptism, because you and I are being conformed right now into the image and the likeness of God, because you and I get the chance to feed constantly on his body and blood, because the Lord has taken care of us when we were most in need, because all these things are true. Do not be afraid. God is with you. You were born for this.